0: Hello, hello, this is Reality of Reality, and I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. Every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted content. Today on the podcast, someone who spends every day of his life immersed in reality television. That would be Andy Denhart. So Andy created, and he also runs the blog, Reality Blurred. That's been going on for about the last 16 years. And if you do not know Reality Blurred, it's a really great place to get news on the industry and also Andy's take on specific shows, sometimes very tough critiques. He talks about trends in the industry and sometimes even interviews with some of the creators behind the shows. Andy and I have a really great talk about the state of reality TV. We go in depth on some of his favorite shows of 2016 and even get into a recent controversy that's been rocking the unscripted world. Enjoy Andy Denhart. So first of all, I want to say I've been a re- fan of Reality Blurred forever. I mean, I feel like the last 10 years Thank at you. least. Um, Always fun, always edgy. You know, your point of view comes through very clearly where like you th- sort of feel like you know you. To an extent, obviously, you don't, but one doesn't. But you're not just sort of some disembodied reporting voice. So it's been sort of refreshing. What inspired you to start the blog um, in the first place? Why reality television?
1: Um, So why reality television is I've been fascinated with it since as long as I can remember. And I think... I don't know if we want to call Mr. Rogers reality television, but that was my first relationship with a real person on the screen. Like, I think I really thought that was his house. and it it wasn't? Apparently not. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, it was was literally the episode, and I I haven't been able to track it down. Hopefully one day I will see it again, where he, like, basically spun the camera around and showed, like, nope, this is a fake house. The fourth wall came down on Mr. Rogers. And I think that, like, sort of inspired the rest of my life because it was like I want to know how this is created I'm sure part of that was a sense of betrayal like you lied to me and I want to know why and I think that that sense of betrayal might be at the core of some things I write sometimes you might be able to see a hint of that um Mm -hmm. in terms of frustration with being lied to or something in a, a particular show um why create a blog about it uh the honest answer is that I got fired from another job um I was recapping in back in 1999, this, um, real, the real world Hawaii. Um, and it there were was like caps back then. No, there really oh, weren't. Okay. So yeah, it was, it was basically like it came out of a summer internship. I was sitting at lunch one day, talking a lot with my coworkers at this website and talking about real world all the time. And someone was finally like, why don't you just write about it? So I did. And that did that. And then someone else came in to a new job and he and I didn't get along very well I guess and so he let me go and replaced me with someone else and so I was like I really enjoyed doing that I want to keep doing that Yeah. Um, and that was at the exact same time that Making the Band um, became the first broadcast network reality show at least in terms of the sort of new wave of reality after Real World and then Survivor and Big Brother were just about to debut and so I was on the internet searching for stuff trying to find more information about these kind of shows that I was excited about and there wasn't any place to find that information so I thought I will just create it myself. And so I did.
0: Wow, that's impressive. So I know that you're a big Survivor fan. When that, you know, first came to the to the screens, did your head just explode? Was it just like, I can't believe this is happening?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was. <laughs> it's from the moment one, episode one. I mean, that was such a spectacular first episode. And yeah. um, even now I've gone back and watched it and it holds up. Like there's a couple quirky, weird things about it um, where they were figuring some stuff out, but it really does still hold. And it's the one show that I can remember and think it is the one show that i that has been able to keep my attention for 16 and a half years most shows you know like after a while i kind of <laughs> right, drift out that, of right. yeah
0: yeah i feel like the die hard survivor fans they stay with it um that you know it's interesting you say that about the first season because i think in a way the first season of any show, in certain ways, is either the worst or the best season because it's sometimes it's the worst because it's just sort of finding its sea legs and it doesn't really know what it's doing. But the beauty of a competition show like that is that they don't know the game yet, they don't know the rules, they don't know the playing field. So it was so real. I mean, that I remember watching that first season. Just you know, could not wait. Was it Sunday night? Right. It was just it was epic water cooler television.
1: Yeah, and to watch like I the doctor who would say that he was voting based on people's first letters and their names. And then, like, meanwhile, Richard Hatch is sort of s- scheming in ways that no one would have expected. And sort of the way he's talking to the camera, we'll never get another season like that. But now it's become interesting because people do know the game and it's become, like, you know, the winner who just won this fall season grew up watching the show and was a little kid, you know? Wow. And so that's, that's amazing to, to have that kind of it's sort of feeding back into itself. And they've evolved the show in really smart ways. Some ways in which I don't always like, but they've always keep, uh, they always keep changing little things or just trying new things. And I think that that's so important. Otherwise, the show becomes stale.
0: I was going to ask you about that because, you know, there's sort of the philosophy of if it's it's not broke, don't fix it. But there also is, you know, my husband watches Pawn Stars. And um, I don't know if you're a, a fan of that show. I've
1: seen it, but I'm not a diehard. Yeah,
0: he's pretty diehard. But they, at a certain point, started changing the format in little ways. And because he watched every episode he thought it ruined the show. And mm-hmm. it started to really grate on him because he missed sort of the you know, the early, pure seasons of it. And I think that if you mess with a good thing too much, it can really turn your viewers the other way. Um, we actually had that happen to us on a show where they inserted a narrator after three seasons and it completely ruined the show. And there was no reason for it other than this executive thought that would be a great idea and it was a terrible idea, <laughs> right? So it's good that you've been able to evolve with Survivor and the changes
1: sure and I think it is like you mentioned it's such a tough balance because if you change a show um too much like you obviously can alienate those viewers like you're talking about um but at the same time I think you don't want to just give into the fear of not changing to hold on to those viewers because as you keep filming something like Pawn Stars like the fame of that show has changed it so much and And then you talk about other things that we can get into, like changing budgets and more control from networks or whatever. And I'm not talking specifically about Pawn Stars here, but just the fact that in later seasons, it can become a much different animal than it was in season one. And so it's already changed. And so if you don't sort of like shift and like roll with those waves, I think you kind of get bowled over eventually. I'm mixing metaphors left and right. No, no, that's
0: actually a great point, especially with talent driven shows like that, because the talent does start to get recognized and does start to become famous, then it almost becomes... I mean, the housewives shows are guilty of that as well. So it's almost becomes commercials for their brands that they're using the show to promote, and then it's sort of this like which is the tail wagging the dog,
1: right? Which is why I think there's you know very few great housewives, and like Bethany is one of those examples because she can she can do the brand promotion. This is all about me stuff, but she can also give the real thing. That like that show doesn't work unless there's some of that, and you have to you have to keep delivering.
0: Yeah, that's just, she's a good example. Back to sort of when they, um networks start tweaking the formats. I know you and I are both huge Shark Tank fans. Yes. Of course, I have to bring that up as soon as possible. Yes. And they've only done the tiniest tweak this season,
1: but I'm sure you've noticed it. And I think you were the only person to reply to me on Twitter when I said <laughs> okay. something about that, which I so appreciated.
0: I forgot. So what did I, What did you say? Well, what did I, say? I, I, just,
1: I think I wasn't sure about it at first when okay. they started breaking the fourth wall and showing the people backstage yes. before they walked down the hallway or showed the sharks like on their phones. Yes, and the it. some PAs or whatever walking right, around, and, right, Um So yeah, I, I've grown to really like it. I think at first I was a little unsettled because <laughs> those I didn't think those people knew that they were on camera, and so it was a little bit of oh. a, like, you know, if if you're obviously you're on a reality show, right. But if you think like I'm just kind of like kind of psych myself up here, and now the show's going to use it against me, I felt a little maybe bad for them in that moment. But you know,
0: it's so innocuous what it is. Yeah, it's th- not, you know, that, they it's, were like picking their nose or something, or, right. You know, or worse. Um, But, right, you're right, that they are told that basically assume the camera's on you at all times. Well, I liked it because that show is so tightly formatted in the sense that um, that you're never breaking the fourth wall. I mean, they do to the extent when they sort of fight between them. It's very unscripted. Sure. um, But otherwise, it's pretty tight format. So to me, that just adds a little and the way they're letting stuff breathe after the fact too with the sharks where they're done but then they're not done Right, I'm just obsessed with the sharks like can we just break down the sharks for a minute can we just break down the whole show for a minute what is it that you love about the show
1: Um, I think it's exactly what you mentioned, which is it's a tight format in which some really brutal reality happens, which is probably the same like as Survivor because you have a really good game structure and then some stuff can happen within it. And yes, they're not going to really starve to death and on this island and they're not really alone. (laughs) They're They're being filmed. Um, (laughs) But, you know, so, yeah, so I think I think I just love watching that real interaction and it's like something's on the line for for real here and I've learned so much from it too like I now understand like how to value my company not that I have a company to value but I'm so excited when I ever do that I will be able to uh, to value it
0: yeah and I also think I think the sharks themselves are pivotal to the success of that show, right
1: yeah do you remember in the early seasons when they had the other Kevin in the yes. chair that Mark Cuban now sits in yeah he basically never invested in anything never um and just was kind of and bringing Mark Cuban in obviously shifted the show because it not only gave you know what he brings to the show but it caused everyone else to step up their game and I think Lori also so but the two of them together have just made for a really great panel.
0: I agree. I feel like Kevin O'Leary is, he, he might be jumping the shark, so to speak,
1: Yes. right I, like, yeah, I think I wrote a piece about that like last oh, um, last spring just like he it's he, it's time to replace him or at least start swapping him out because he's so it's so the same thing every single time it's the
0: same thing and I feel like he always makes a deal and he always does the same type of deal and he always uses the same expressions it's getting old And it's
1: it's always that really terrible offer of a royalty <laughs> yes. like make your thing and then I'll, you give me one dollar every time you sell one like it's a terrible deal don't take it
0: it is it is and I love when they all get pissed at him like I love I love the fight. I mean, I don't know what that says about me, but I love when they fight with each other.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I also love that it's a family show. Like, I can watch it with my daughter, and I think she can learn. St- I mean, the, there's always you know a lot of kids on it, and just that it taps into that um, entrepreneurial American spirit. Like, I really think it does do that in genuine, in an authentic way.
1: Yeah, I think it it does. Like, these are obviously these are real businesses, and some real people came up with ideas, went on the show, and. You know, now are multimillionaires and selling a lot of product. I mean, talking about all this, like now there's a lot that happens outside of the show that I think a lot of maybe casual viewers don't think about. One, the number of deals that fall apart afterwards. That's, you know, one thing. Um, And I think so. I I would love to see more Shark Tank. That's why I I was so excited about Beyond the Tank, but it really didn't pan out to be a true like documentary look at sort of what happens after the show. Just. I agree. Why do you think it didn't work? It's, to me, it was way too staged. It was the same thing as the, like, the little let's check in on our company Mm -hmm. thing, you can stage that, and it's like, you're giving us an update and and that's fine, but, like, when it's like, hi, Mark, we didn't know you were coming today, like, it just, (laughs) none of it felt believable, and even if these things were actually happening, the context was so phony, and contrasting that with Shark Tank, it just, like, felt like a completely different show.
0: Right. Um, Yeah, I think you're right. I I would be fascinated to see that show where to see the like team that analyzes each business and finds out why they're not going to invest in them after they've already made the deal. Yeah. Cuz so, cuz you're right. I think it's the they only invest in like 30% overall, right?
1: Yeah, and and I've interviewed the sharks before a couple of them and okay. they said that like this tends to be pretty true in business too like that during mm-hmm. due diligence, stuff will fall apart. Right. Um so that's that's a real part of this and it's not like the show is faking anything with that, but there's a lot of little details that they can't get to into even in an hour long pitch cuz they're going into ton more detail than we see. Right. Um, oh my god, I can only imagine. I mean, yeah. you have to open up everything. Right. Which sharks have you interviewed? Um, so I talked to you, um, Robert and was it Robert and I think Robert and Lori. Oh my gosh. I'm totally forgetting right now. Um, and I've, I've talked to Mark before and like he, like, do you remember his show from I do. The Rebel Billionaire? The tanked. <laughs> yes. It was a Rebel Billionaire, right? Or was that?
0: Uh, no, that was Richard Branson. That was Richard Branson. Oh, my his, gosh. I don't remember the name of, name of his, but Mark, it notoriously didn't do well,
1: and Trump, like, wrote him something, like, oh, I beat you. Yeah. Um, so I wrote about that, and he sent me a note out of the blue, and so... Really? Um, you know, I've, like, occasionally talked to him, but... He, I love him. Yes, he's, he's amazing. And like, and I think he's a good example um, and a great model for reality stars and for all of Hollywood that you can just be your authentic self and you can still be successful. You don't have to put on this like facade to like, here's what everyone wants to see.
0: I completely agree. He, I think that's why he works so well. And because he doesn't invest in a lot when he does and then when he really gets in there, it's it's the best sport. It's like watching a basketball game, you know
1: yeah, and he'll throw in like <laughs> the, the way he's just like he'll like I mean the countdown clock is so annoying and I hate it um <laughs> but it's still an effective thing Or he'll just like jump in at the end and be like, I'll take that deal. I like know. that's amazing. and, and you he know, knows be-
0: exactly what he's doing. He knows how to make good TV and knows how to do a good deal
1: yeah and people and he also knows that people want to partner with him because he's successful and has a good team behind him and et absolutely.
0: Yeah, he's like the Beyonce of the Sharks. Right. <laughs> like the ultimate one that they would pick. Absolutely. And I feel like Robert doesn't do hardly... He hardly does any... I like him, but he doesn't do a lot.
1: No, my my favorite... Reason for watching Robert is that every time they try a product, he loves it. Which so amazing. it's it's like like here like we we have ice cream made out of dog feces, and he's like, "This is amazing! <laughs> this is the best ice cream I've ever had." Like it's every single thing, but except then like maybe sometime last season he didn't like something that everyone else liked, and I was like, "What's wrong with us? Something must be wrong." Yeah.
0: Um, well, the other reason to watch him is that if you start binging on like CNBC, you can see the evolution of Robert's hair pieces throughout the seasons, which are. Like wildly different from season to season.
1: Oh, I didn't realize. Oh, I yeah, need to, yeah, yeah, I need to go back and. Yeah,
0: you should do like a one of your columns. You should do like a like a post each um picture from each season it's, tr- it's, it's an I, evolution it might
1: be a little too mean but i would no, that say. It, I think oh you're right okay well, I, let's I, not try, mess with Star I try Tank. not like and i right. not to not to step on your joke here but i try <laughs> no. really hard i mean
0: it's good no, be it's nice good. <laughs> i try to like
1: one of my rules is to not make fun of people right. but like to make fun of what they're doing okay and like with reality it's so easy to like jump <laughs> on like who they are because that's such a part of it but yeah. i also like I also recognize that there's so much production that I don't know what like maybe that's somebody on Shark Tank or on Shark Tank giving him terrible advice right. and so I would feel really bad sort of pointing that out. Oh, you're such our... a
0: nice person. I well, love that. I don't I
1: think probably most people who read my writing would think I'm an <laughs> asshole, so <laughs> thank you for saying that.
0: You've got the poison pen. <laughs> um do you have you ever been on a set of a reality show and do you want to be on one?
1: Um many times. Like okay. my first was Trading Spaces oh, yeah. back in the day. Yeah. Um so, and it, we, that was totally eye-opening. Um, I think I, I got the opportunity to go on survivor on location with Survivor three times. Oh my um, god! We until then, I, I, I loved it. And what's what was most amazing to me was seeing this crew of like two hundred fifty, three hundred fifty. 400 people who are behind the scenes supporting this project that most of the contestants will never see any of the stuff that we saw and I just got gave me such a new appreciation for the art and also the work that goes into producing a show like that yeah um, unfortunately CBS Cut off my access because they no longer were happy with what I was writing. So because what okay. was it about it that they didn't like? I actually still to this day don't really know. Like a publicist asked me one time to change an article because they were worried someone from the CW would get mad at something one of their contestants said in an interview. It's like little petty, tiny things like that. And I was like, wow. like No, this is well, on the record interview.
0: Right? Maybe it's that they don't like the curtain. Like revealed too much in terms right. of like how the donuts are made,
1: and I think maybe my interest was much more in that <laughs> right. versus like I didn't want to just come and talk about the personalities and make fun of them. Right, it wasn't sort of the EW take. Yes, where they're like Jeff Probst. <laughs> exactly. Yes, I and I met Dalton Ross on location. He's a, a wonderful person. He loves Survivor, and he loves Survivor. But yes, sometimes their interaction can get a little insufferably broy.
0: <laughs> I could see it broing out in a big way. So you did your um, list of best reality shows of 2016. Yes. Which um, I retweeted, obviously. Thank you, um, thank you. And we're like, really on the same page on a lot of these things. And what I love is that you have a real mix, and I think this kind of probably reflects your taste in general between docu and formats Yeah. Um, and so let's, I just wanted to go through, uh, obviously just the ones that I like. Sure, yeah, let's talk about them. Or <laughs> um, the ones that I watch so that I can actually be intelligent about it. So the, the O.J. Made in America, which was a 10-part series that started on ABC and moved over to ESPN, I thought also incredibly done. What what were your thoughts on it?
1: I just, uh, a completely extraordinary, um, I actually didn't write a long review on it because I didn't even know where to start. And it's like each episode, like these two hour long blocks and so much material and s- just so fascinating. Um, and I think the way he was able to, the director to um, sort of, connect history to what we already knew. Like I watched the OJ trial, like I was in college and I um, was totally fascinated by it. And I thought I understood this and I'd, I'd watched the um, FX series and I thought I understood it more, but this was really like, here's, here's how this sort of like long march of history leads to these moments that we sort of think are isolated, but they in fact connected to every single thing that has come before them. So it just was an extraordinary piece of, um, art on one level, but also just of information and history. And
0: I agree completely. And I think what's also so interesting from sort of the perspective of, of a larger trend that's going on in Unscripted now in the last two years is this, and this is literally my least favorite term ever, but this deep dive right. into, um, and especially in the true crime genre, that sort of in a way started with podcasts with serial and... I think that people, especially in the television audience, underestimated the public's Appetite for that deep dive and for that minutia and for that slow peeling of the onion every episode. I mean, that was a commitment that show ten episodes. Yeah, I can believe.
1: And they, I mean, they aired them all in one week, which I thought was maybe a mistake on some level. I know they're still trying to call it a film so they can get an Oscar for it, and that's fine. But it's a TV show, and it should have (laughs) it should have aired maybe in like smaller pieces. And I think over a few months, it might have gotten some different kind of traction but i'm just appreciative that it's out there and um well don't you think they
0: aired it over the week to do it binge style like making a murderer and that kind of stuff
1: i think so but there's something about it that didn't give itself to binging for me and maybe it just maybe it's just my particular relationship to it but it just seemed like too much to handle to go on to the next episode
0: it was a lot it was a lot and it was was like it was well done um,
1: and um, there's so much emotion to it and it also never forgot the victims and you saw crime scene photos that I have never seen before or didn't know existed, and um, but it just reminded you of both the brutality of the crime, but also everything else surrounding it. That you the know, context. Yeah,
0: I mean, it was the first time I really, really understood everything.
1: Yeah, and it, just to your larger point about these deep dives, I think. What people are drawn to in reality is, like, character and, like, narrative, and that's what this had. Mm. And so if you can go deep into narrative and character in any way, I think you're going to get people to watch. So now,
0: next uh, show that you wrote about, we just watched this morning with my daughter, Project Runway Jr. Oh
1: the best it's so great it's absolutely wonderful and i was so I, I just wrote about this yesterday like i was so heartened to hear tim gunn say that he likes the show better than the original also um i obviously love heidi klum and the original cast in terms of the judges but these kids are so talented but they also treat them like adults and that's the slight change from masterchef junior yeah, masterchef junior they like Gordon Ramsay treats them like kids. He respects them, but it's sort of like you're a child and I'm an adult, and I'm going to kind of help you. Yeah, and that's that's fine. And I think it's like done in a way that. But you know, they're like that.
0: also a lot younger on that show. True. I will true. say, Project Runway is a little older. That's true. Teenagers. Yeah, because
1: they're like thirteen. To... Yeah, like
0: some of the some of the Master Chef kids were like eight or seven. That's even. a good point. <laughs> yeah, like, my daughter. What have you cooked? Yeah, you know?
1: <laughs> what have you? Served? Right, exactly. I'll... I've done nothing like any of these kids. Right? Yeah,
0: but I will say in terms of like um, the. The incredible um, good side to reality TV, because everyone's always, as you know, so quick to dump on it, is that shows like that that celebrate our artistry and imagination. I mean, sh- we had to go to the fabric store and buy fabric, and she and my mom made a tunic.
1: For That's her. amazing.
0: Yeah, I mean, she it was it was really made me, you know. And after Master Junior, she always wants to cook or bake, and these are really great shows for that.
1: Absolutely, and going back to, I mean, season one of Project Runway inspired tons of people to just apply to Parsons and, I'm never mind, I'm sure other places also. And just, like, to be able to show other people doing a creative act or doing whatever and then, like, being able to to, to connect with an audience and say, hey, like, look at people like this and maybe you could do the same thing or at least respect what they do.
0: Is it hard for you when you watch these uh, younger shows like Project Runway Jr. to see these kids get upset? Or I I have a really hard time with that. Um, like especially when they're eliminated, like oh my heart breaks in half.
1: Yeah, actually mine doesn't. And maybe <laughs> so. Here's where I'm gonna be super callous. Like I don't know, maybe it's because I'm not a parent or not a parent yet. Um, but I, I think I, I think like it's good for them to express their emotions and also good to just be like, yep, this is sad, but you're good and you're gonna go on from this. And I think failure is super important in life in general. And so I think it's really great that they're allowing kids to fail publicly i just feel really terrible i most I feel terrible for the kids who are going to get sort of like destroyed on social media by adults who are horrible oh
0: please say that's not going to happen i
1: i don't even want to go look to <laughs> right. see if it is happening so i don't want yeah. to know that yeah that
0: would upset me but that's a you know what i'm gonna look at it in a different way now that was very well stated and um we ha- you're right we have to let them fail Yeah, um, and it's a competition and they know that going in
1: yeah exactly you, someone's <laughs> going to go home first I mean I think any competition show no one thinks they're going to be the first person to go um, <laughs> and MasterChef Junior um, handled that by like sending them off in pairs which is nice that they can have a friend to try right. with <laughs> right.
0: oh my god that's funny
1: so you also have um,
0: a show on the list that was it might have been my favorite show of the year um, which is the circus on Showtime
1: yes So talk about that. So that was, it took me a long time to write about that too, in part because I couldn't figure out what it was. And then (laughs) I finally realized it's because it kept changing. And that's what was so cool. So they had like a half an hour or so every week. And then they had a week's worth of footage And it, like, it was one show kind of during the primary, it was another show during the conventions, and then during the general, it became another show that kind of kept morphing. And there was that, like, thriller episode where they're sending notes to Julian Assange in the embassy. And there's another episode where they're, you know, just, like, um, sort of chasing people around and not actually getting much access at all. So, um, ultimately, for me, it was totally about media And like how media narratives are constructed. And I don't think they did that intentionally, but that's what we ended up seeing the most.
0: In terms of how they're capturing the information and relaying it.
1: Yeah. And then like the way these three guys, the sort of like TV news people would sort of be like, well, this week's theme is this. And so this is what we're going to look for. And then it like, it sort of becomes limiting, but you also see that they have to focus somehow. And so it's like, I think a thing that the media struggles with itself. Yeah.
0: That's very meta in a way because it's like, you're seeing them do it. Because they have a show on MSNBC that they're doing, and then there's the circus that they're sort of defining the theme for that. Exactly. So it's like, which narrative are we even? And then there's a narrative of us following the news outside of that show. Right. So it's. I remember one week they did Joe Biden. And I was like, Joe Biden. He was in the news this week. Like, yeah. Exactly. You know, that was just what they decided the show was going to be about that week. Right. Um, I liked how verite it was, and I think probably the biggest. Uh, what I always say about the most impressive thing to me about that show, especially in the beginning episodes. Or that nothing happened, but with the right editing and music, you can make Everything. the best show ever. Right? They're getting on John, you know, John Kasich's bus, and it's like the music. I'm terrified of what they're going to find. You right. Know? Like, and
1: and I think there was so there was good. so much footage of Trump rallies on obviously on cable news because they just yeah. handed over their networks to him for months and months on yes, end. Yes, they did. But you could also watch that and then tune into the circus and see the same speech but presented in a way that sort of widened the lens. And I think that yes. like it might have just even been, it's like a slow motion shot of the crowd or like a cut to a little kid with a horrifying t-shirt on at a Trump rally. And it's like suddenly that contextualizes everything and just broadens it in a way that cable news never bothers to do. So
0: I completely agree. In fact, before the circus aired and before I even knew about it, I said to my friend who had connections to the Hillary campaign, I really think whether I do it or someone else does it, somebody should be doing either, you know, a web series or a TV series with Hillary's campaign to humanize, just to follow her around, show the real Hillary. Because everyone felt like they didn't know the real Hillary. And she didn't, I don't think, look, no one watched the circus, so I'm not, (laughs) it certainly didn't dictate what happened to her. But I think that, you know, just being able to not be afraid to show who she was um, would have helped humanize her,
1: I think. And she... It, it was notable that she did not give the show any access, whereas Trump did, yeah. and whereas all the Republicans did, and, and Bernie gave them tons yeah. of access. And
0: surrogates aren't the same. They're no. just not. And, like, it's definitely—it
1: seems weird when you're—the you, circus host is standing in a handshake line, basically, and shouting questions at her. Yeah. Um, did you hear the Hillary podcast with her? No. So, um, it was not that many episodes, and also not great— but it should have been great. It should right. have been exactly what you're Did describing. Did someone interview her? Yeah. And, like, he was basically, like, sitting down. And um, it's Max Linsky who does the long-form podcast. Okay. Um, was he, it during the election? During the election. Really? He, but he was doing it for the campaign. Okay. So it was basically, like, yeah. they produced it. Yeah. Um, and I think... So he had access. So there was like conversations with Bill Clinton and with. Wow. But then it would be like Hillary has 20 minutes. So we're going to sit down now. Mm. And I think that that. um, Did it just feel like policy speeches more than the real. It was probably humanizing a little bit. But I think I think it could have, you know, if it was more verite, like a verite podcast in her campaign would have been incredible. And I I don't know, maybe just started too later. Maybe they just had other priorities. But so some of your honorable mentions um, are some of my
0: favorite shows. Real Housewives of New York. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The (laughs) great season. I think
1: I there somewhere else called that scene with um, Bethany and Luann peak Real Housewives with the Tom thing. Like you know, don't let it be about Tom. It's about Tom. Like you know, and and Bethany was so excited about that. You (laughs) could tell. But she's also like lying in bed, like it's like that. She's like literally, this is her deathbed, and like about her, she has to like tell the last thing that she knows. Um, (laughs) Drinking her skinny girl vodka with a label. Right. Turn toward the camera because she is heavy. Of
0: of course. That was just, it
1: was such wonderful television and um, (laughs) in a way that like, if you don't get real housewives, you'll never get that. (laughs) And if you also, I think if you don't have all the history before that, you might not quite understand it, but man. Oh, it was so
0: rich on so many levels. It was like a great thriller. like (laughs) You're just like on the edge of your seat and the producers and editors are just genius. Yes. Right. I think in general, the housewives editors are geniuses.
1: Absolutely. And I, who knows what they're cutting around or how they're doing it, but it's it definitely comes together. what are um in terms of the stuff
0: that pisses you off when you're watching a reality show, what are the things I know you said, like lack of authenticity or like is is that or you talked about betrayal early on too? like what did you mean?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think lack of authenticity is a good. Um, marker, I realize that all shows are produced, and so I expect that, but right. there's definitely a difference between like producing a show and coaching someone to say something. Yeah, um, I find Frankenbiting to be completely out of control, Ugh. and I think it's almost borderline abusive now to the people who it's being done to. We should probably just explain that in case people don't know. Yeah, so like editors taking. St- bits and pieces of sentences that someone has said and using them to form new sentences. And I've now become attuned to the, like, the lazier versions of it. Some Maybe there's some good sound editors who are doing it in ways that I <laughs> right. don't even know. But it's like that person didn't say that, but now everyone in the audience thinks they said it. And you did it maybe for a story point, but like, what does that actually, you know, what does that mean?
0: Right. I actually think a lot of, audience, I mean, even my husband knows Frankenbite now, and he's just a lawyer. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. and like, I think people are more savvy. Actually, on The Apprentice with Trump, they used to do it all That's, the time. That was my first awareness of it. Yes. And I, I
1: wrote this piece back, I was writing for MSNBC, the website back then, and I wrote this piece about the weird voiceovers. Because in the boardroom, <laughs> right. he would like, yes. suddenly his they would I show people just, with these like totally unrelated reaction shots, and he would come in in a totally different sound and quality of voice. And ex- Say why he was about to send someone home. Yeah. And it was like, what? It is and then cut
0: back to the boardroom with a completely different sound and tone. And um, you probably listened to that Jay and Tony show where they had the editor on yeah. talking about that they would literally have to recut the entire thing because he would just do something that didn't make any sense or, you know. Right, contradict
1: himself in three seconds. You know. Yeah.
0: but But that was so transparent, I thought. I mean, I thought like if you're watching this as an average citizen, and you can't tell this is going on, then you're just not even paying attention.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think. There was, and I think, although I will say that I think a lot of people watch for entertainment in a way that they're like sort of maybe turning off the critical sense of their brain, yeah. which sometimes I really wish I could do. Like I wish <laughs> I could just settle. Isn't in. Isn't that your
0: job? Yeah, I guess so. And that's <laughs> like,
1: and so sometimes I just want to just like you know turn it off and enjoy. Yeah, it's
0: hard. Yeah, it's hard to not watch. I feel like with the housewives, I'm able to do that because I could just get so swept away with the storylines and how ridiculous these people are that I'm less sort of... And then appreciating all the sort of juicy, fun montage, you know, when they claim they didn't do something and then they flash back immediately to
1: them doing right, it. Right, exactly. So, oh, this
0: is why I watch television. Yes. <laughs> it's such a celebration of
1: stupidity. Right. And I think, you know, ultimately, it's also sort of like hopefully connecting us as humans. Like, that's where I think reality TV has a lot of power. Is that we can say, look, we're all fallible. Look, we all do this. We all yeah. say things. And, like, it's. I think it's okay to laugh at it. Um, and but it's also like laugh at like you were laughing at a friend who did that versus a stranger. <laughs> right. Maybe that'll you know maybe maybe that'll be a little better. I agree. So you've been tough on A and E,
0: I noticed, going back on some of your posts you um you did not like 60 days in which i thought was interesting because i actually thought that was excellent so i want to hear your take on that and yeah. then you recently criticized them about the kkk show they were going to do so i want to talk about both of those sure. shows because i think it's interesting and i know that you're not specifically have any in your crosshairs yeah, just yeah no no that you just, know they do do sort of controversial edgy stuff so it's a perfect sort of target in terms of examining that
1: right um so 60 days in i think for me just the concept made so little sense that i still (laughs) can't wrap my head around why you're sending innocent people to jail in order to learn about corruption in the jail like if you're putting cameras in just leave the cameras in and watch the corruption like so i think from moment one they had lost me um two they cast someone who was so clearly like not into this and or was playing for the cameras and there was just like way too um like too much of a reality star if this is going to be a real... Right, he was like the Richard Hatch of 60 Days In. Exactly. So um, I think, and then those two things, and then combined with like number three with like some of the editing problems, and by problems, I mean, they'd be like, showing what's happening in a cell and then there'd be a fight in the cell and they'd be like, we don't have any footage of that. Like, right, why? Right. Like, you have a camera in there. Right. Like, what is someone what incompetent? What was? Like, and I have no idea. Like, that's, do I just not trust the show because right. is the narrative completely faked? Is it that they actually didn't want to show something and that, you know, the jail said, let's not do that. Right. Like, and I think that's, I I want to be able to trust in what I'm watching, and that show just it didn't, lost you. Yeah, didn't lose, didn't get my trust.
0: Okay, so with the Generation KKK, and then I don't remember what long name they changed it to before they canned it, but the, it's a very the interesting... Best, it was the best subtitle of the year. It was like two lines long, right? It was like, it's this like, is a show about a group called...
1: The a documentary that's truly real, we promise, right? and it's not about normalizing them, but about making sure that you understand that there's hate in America.
0: How do you fit all that in TV guy? Don't hate us. Right, yeah, don't hate us, exactly. So, basically they were going to the, the just a set it up, they were going to do this um, doc show about um, trying to extract members, uh, family members from families that were raising, or that were KKK members, and presumably from everything I read, they were Working with the ADL, which is the Anti-Defamation League, which is a Jewish organization, like they sort of dotted those I's and crossed those T's beforehand to make sure that it wasn't some sort of celebration or exploitation of the KKK, but that they were actually trying to show that they were trying to like who they are, these hateful groups, sort of a peek inside this horrible world, and then let's try to get these people out. But then what happened?
1: Well, I think the way you described it is actually would have changed everyone's reaction maybe a little bit. (laughs) One, they titled it Generation KKK, which is not Get Out of the KKK, Escaping the KKK, which is the the new title. Two, even the initial announcement sort of like buried the stuff about we're going to get them out. Right. And it took them a week to announce all these partnerships with other people. Yeah. So if you're really going to do it well, you need to roll that out like and get those people on your side immediately. Yeah. And you need to have people who've seen it say, like, this is actually going to be okay. Like, yeah, right. And, you know, some critics that I know and respect really well saw it and had some conflicted feelings or some, you know, uh, Dan Feinberg did a really good deep dive into it um, in The Hollywood Reporter that I think was, like, that was really good to read because I by the time I, I had not watched it yet, it was the holidays that they did, did all Did you those. end up seeing it? No, I have not. Okay. And uh, it was, like, on their website. But then, of course, they pulled everything within a week. And it was right on Christmas Eve that they pulled it. So I never got to see any of it. Right. Um, but then. So, yeah. So, um, so like, I, I guess. So there was controversy for a week. Then they um, retitle it. They announce all these partnerships. And when, like, less than, was it less than 12 hours later, maybe? It was very soon after. A&E is like, we're pulling the series because we have just magically learned that the producers, third party, like, as if all production companies aren't third party with networks. (laughs) It's like somehow it's like trying to even create more distance. um, Like, that they paid some of the subjects in cash. And that is against our policy for documentaries. And so we will be pulling the show. And that just seemed like such specious bullshit. There is no (laughs) way on earth that they didn't know that that was happening because as I wrote about, it's so standard to pay for it. And it like, it's super distasteful to think of like A&E's money going to the the clan and Maybe you don't want to watch for that reason, and I totally understand right. that, but that's you're spending hours and hours and days and weeks with somebody, you compensate them for their time, of especially course. when you're going to go make money off of them, which is what the show is going to do. Of course. It's called the talent fee. Exactly. And it's so, on every budget of every show. Right, and so if it wasn't on their budget, or like, I don't even understand how they f- possibly discover this on Christmas Eve, uh, you know, like on a s- Friday night going into a Saturday that's also the first day of Hanukkah, like... No one's working, man. No one's, like, going through the line items. So what do
0: you think? Basically, they needed somebody to
1: throw under the bus to get it off the air. I think 100% that was it, which to me is a huge... Like That's just such a betrayal of the producer-network relationship, which I think already suffers enough from the fact that (laughs) producers get so much shit for the crappy decision that networks make, and the stuff that network executives force upon a show, or the changes, or the notes, or whatever. Again, that can be a really productive and fruitful relationship, and can make a show better, and it can also destroy a good show. And then people like me, and I think I've did this for a long, long time, I would always just sort of like, you look at the names that appear on the show and you're like, they're responsible. And I've even learned, you know, it's obviously, I don't even know now what an executive producer title means anymore. Because who... An EP is, is like dependent upon a contractual thing, Absolutely. not their relationship with producing it. Right. I mean,
0: an EP may never look at the show, you know, they may have been involved at the beginning and they never look at it again.
1: Yeah, exactly. Or, or, it might or have been they're someone, involved every day. Yeah, someone been. who had the idea. And so even mm. just finding out like who the showrunner is for yeah. a show that I'm interested in is really difficult in a way that like... I don't know it shouldn't I don't feel like it should be that difficult and or maybe I just need to be better at my job and more of a hard-nosed journalist, which I've never been good at that. Um, but it's just it's it's amazing how yeah, that, that there can be that like distance between like who's responsible. So anyway, to go back to AE, I feel like they just dumped all the responsibility on this is not a test, the production company, and then ran away from it when in fact of this was botched like the 10% of it might be this might have just been a bad idea and I'm (laughs) having still not seen it I'm not sure whether or not this normalized the clan and do you if you're just by giving them a platform upon which to talk is that like is that going too far and I actually don't know especially because I haven't seen it
0: Yeah, I don't know either I think it's interesting I mean I probably would have watched it at least start you know tried to watch it because I do want to know the hate like I want to know what it looks like yeah. But it's, you're very, you're what, you're treading on, on thin, thin ice.
1: Well, and I feel like it's like with, I remember when Mad Men was started and I was kind of all into Mad Men and I was like talking to a friend um, about, you should watch Mad Men. She's like, I know what sexism is. I don't need to watch it, like ever for an hour. <laughs> and it's funny. like, and it's like a, that's a good point. Like, there's no like, so maybe maybe some people definitely need to see this and know <laughs> that there's this kind of hate in the world, and other people are just victimizing them additionally.
0: What do you think of the Leah Remini Scientology
1: show? Have you seen that? Um, so I have not. That's on my list of things that I need to watch. Okay. And really, you know, because I think I'll give A and E credit here. They are like using the format to like push into some stuff that I think should be talked about and could really be interesting television. Um, I don't always agree with or love the way that that actually comes out. Um, That show I've heard good things about. Is it good? Do you love it? Is it?
0: Um, I really liked the first episode because I liked sort of the conceit of where it was going. I mean, I knew a lot about I know way more than I should about Scientology because I'm just so interested in it in like a freak show see, way, like going, going clear, clear yeah. incredible. I've read Amazing. books. And so, um, I'm always interested in it. And I, I love the idea of sort of exposing it and trying to, you know, bring it to the surface because this is just a ridiculous organization that's gotten rich because of the stupid IRS and, and, you know, hoping that it actually can change things. And I look, you can say what you want about Leah, but she's really brave for doing it. For sure. Um, you know, there's, Probably some negative stuff about her, too. But I I was pretty impressed. And um, it was very well produced by um, my friends at IPC, Eli and Aaron. So what about streaming? Do you watch the streaming networks? Is that what we're calling them? In the same way that you do everything else? Is there any differentiation?
1: I don't think so. I mean, there's maybe a little differentiation in that they... It's maybe a little harder to find stuff because even <laughs> I feel like Netflix will certainly put up a reality series or a documentary series and it's like, I didn't even know that it existed. And suddenly it's there. Like Making a Murderer, very, very little promotion. And but of course it obviously took off. Um but yeah, I do. And Interesting, I don't yeah. I don't think of it as I think of them as just probably other networks and they're the same to me, though my conversations with producers have revealed, I think that a lot of creatives really like working with the streaming services just because yeah. they are much more trusting of their creative partners and like, here's here's a show that you want to make, now go make it instead of like, okay, yeah, like that's the show we want to buy and now let us spend two years changing it into something that's totally the opposite of what you pitched in the first place and frustrating everyone along the way.
0: I don't know what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, that, that <laughs> never happens. Never
0: happens. You're crazy. So I have stock questions that I usually ask, but I'm going to change them up for you. Oh, no. I've you're... been practicing. Oh, no. That's okay. okay. No, I'm, I'm just well, we'll do a combo. I'm, good, just at, I'm you're... good at improv. Because you're such a unique, like, you're the ultimate sort of reality guest that I can ask these questions of that okay. actually knows everything about everything. So um, I'm curious what you think, first of all, the best new show of this year was.
1: Um. Have you had to just pick one of 2016? Yeah. Oh my gosh! I mean, I, I'm going to go back to OJ. Okay, and and I think if anything, just because it showed that you know this long form, deep dive, intelligent content, there's a place where people will watch it, and yeah, yeah. and I would love to see more like that. Me too.
0: What is the best trend that you're seeing in unscripted, and what's
1: the worst trend? Um, the let's we'll start with the worst because that's easiest, which is just I think this culture of fear um i wrote about it for the la times earlier in the fall mm-hmm. but it's just like people are terrified of viewers leaving and the networks and and no one knows what's happening in the industry and the fear is sort of like gotten into reality tv like we haven't had a major hit like what's wrong everything's broken um and then combined with the sort of like stratospheric rise of the genre and now we have all this stuff and we don't know what to do with it so i think that that has that fear has turned into Um, just a lot of bad practices and there's it's it's everything from just like bad network notes to people who shouldn't be running shows who are running (laughs) shows um and just like I fell in love with a genre that put people in artificial contexts and just turned on cameras and then edited that into coherent narratives and I wish we could go back to that in as many ways as possible or just remind ourselves of like why we're doing this in the first place. And I say we as if I'm producing anything instead of just sitting and watching it and complaining about it on my, <laughs> my website.
0: Well, you're part of it. You're part yeah. of the conversation. And, 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 then, so, and the best thing. Yeah, the best.
1: Um, I think that actually there has been a little bit of a reflexive action against that and, and against the super scripting of shows or the super um, controlling nature of some of the productions. And I think that we've gotten some more shows with authenticity recently and we've gotten more documentary style series. And I think you know, some other, like, a a success like Making a Murderer shows that, like, we can actually branch out and try new things, because I think everyone's in that mode of, we just have to keep doing the same thing, because it's working, but, like, every show that has become a hit has been totally out of the norm. Like, American Idol wasn't anything anyone had thought about. Sure, it was, like, a twist on Star Search and whatever else, but Survivor, same thing. Like, so you have to keep innovating, and you're gonna fall flat on your face and fail, um, and that's OK, because that's how we learn is by failing.
0: Right. I think all the producers understand that, but the networks are just so risk averse.
1: Exactly. And that's such a interesting and bizarre and sort of like as you all as producers who are artists and trying to create, yet your creation is dependent on <laughs> networks is it's such a... Um, challenging position and i don't envy you that and i think it's maybe makes it even more remarkable when an amazing show gets out like look what came out of this really fucked up machine (laughs) that's like has lots of good things in it yes but like also has a lot of bad stuff too
0: yeah no i hear you what is the worst reality show of all time
1: (laughs) oh my gosh there's (laughs) there's so many so many like what are a few that come to mind um the first one that just popped into my head, and I don't know why this is, is that Fox series, like, dating Prince Harry. Like, who wants to marry Harry? <laughs> Never saw it. Where it they horrendous. had, like, a, a fake... Pri- and it was sort of, like... That show was, like, sort of time-warped from, like, 2001. Yeah. Maybe it would have worked back then, but right. just, like... <laughs> it just seemed like it so was, like, sort true. of everything wrong at, about what networks thought people wanted at that particular moment. Um, but I'd say any show that calls itself a reality show and like scripts lines or totally fakes things that's the worst show because it's not a reality show
0: Actually, I meant to ask you, speaking of reality shows that you hate, you have called The Bachelor insidious, quote unquote. And I actually don't watch it. You know, I've only seen a few seasons and, you know, I completely agree. But I would say in spite of that, it's still a great show.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's super entertaining. But I, th- I think this is where, and I think a lot of times, even producers can lose sight of the fact that even when you're just trying to entertain someone, this can have a real impact on your audience. And imagine yeah. the young people who are watching the show growing up and forming their ideas of relationships from it like oh my, i know it's ridiculous and but that's definitely happening and like it's you know and
0: the kardashians i mean all of it
1: it's crazy right and so yeah. like at the very least um i mean i think unreal did a good job of showing the real insidiousness at least season one season two was a complete train wreck garbage mess um but um yeah i think i think that show is uh, and it like the Bachelor has like gorgeous cinematography right, and it's like really beautifully produced. It's it's when like they really know what they're doing, and so I admire it on many levels for that reason. But I also, um, yeah, worry about the virus that it's implanting into our society.
0: Yeah, wow. I mean, you nailed it. <laughs> what can I say? You nailed it. So, which question did you practice? Practice. All of them.
1: I've been listening to the podcast for so long, and so I've been like, "If how do I?" And it's actually, it's not like I'm going to be on that. How do I answer it? It's just like, how would I answer that question? Like biggest regret, like etc. Cetera, et cetera. Okay, what's your biggest regret? Okay, I have actually a good answer for this one because, and I've been thinking about it a lot. So I'm one of those people who doesn't have regrets. Um, Or, like, tries not to regret anything because I learn, hopefully, from things that I screw up. I'm sure, like, for sure, on a micro level, I regret maybe saying something awful to someone or whatever. (laughs) Those kind of moments. Um, But it all goes back to high school when um, I entered a contest. And like wrote some kind of essay, I think. And then one person from every high school in my congressman's district was picked to go to Washington, DC for a week. And we like met Janet Reno. We actually met John Kasich, believe it or not, who was like a <laughs> rock star congressman back then. Wow. Um and we just we did cool stuff. Um and one day we went to the Capitol and toured it and we walked up the inside of the dome, which I think if I'm remembering correctly, sort of isn't open to the public. There's this little staircase that sort of like is on the inside of the dome and you're just looking down to the floor um, by the time we got up to the top of there, my sort of fear of heights and like, I love thrill rides cause I'm like strapped in and that Heights is fine, but like being exposed and wobbly. So I was kind of like freaked out. And then we were going to go up another little staircase and go up to the cupola at the top of the U S Capitol and look out where people don't right. get to go. Right. And I was just too scared to do that. So I basically just stayed on the lower level and just waited, um, and I think back to that moment for a couple of reasons. One, it sort of reminds me that, like, if I have an opportunity to do something, I should do it. And I shouldn't let fear dictate my path and whatever. Um, but I also think that it's it's a good example of, like, it did happen and then I got something from it and it's okay. So, like, even if fear does affect me, I can... Let that affect me positively in the future and, and not change the course of my actions and just go up and see what it's like standing at the top of the Capitol, which I'll never get to do again.
0: That's not true. In the reality version of your life, Andy, we're taking you back to the Capitol. Oh, my God. Where gosh. you will confront your biggest fear. Oh, excellent. And, and then, see if you can overcome it once and for all. And then all. push me off and then see what <laughs> happens. Just- <laughs> End scene. Yes. Well, it's been so great to have you. Thank you so much. I love, you know, just talking all reality. And, and next year when you come back, let's do it again. And. Sounds good. And thank, you,
1: and thank you for everything you're doing, just for, I think, putting these conversations with producers and just the honesty about the industry is so necessary right now. And the more people talk about it and the more people like me can learn for sure. But just, I think the more everybody who's involved in this realizes that they're not alone in doing it.
0: Thank you. That's really nice. I'm glad you're listening. I'm glad you're a fan. I'm, it's the it's mutual. And, um, and just continue doing what you're doing because sort of the muckraking of the industry <laughs> is necessary and the celebration too. And you do both of them really.
1: I appreciate that a lot. Thank you so much.